According to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the gospel of the Lord. I want to pause as we begin today and to notice something in our first reading, in this covenant with Abram and Sarai. As I said before, the 11 a.m. folks will get a little bit more of an explanation uh, from our kids as they're acting that out. But this covenant that is cut with them, and again, right, Abram and Sarai, some of you may, may be saying, who are they? Well, that's Abraham and Sarah before they get their new names. Abraham means father of many nations, so that name change comes later on. But this covenant that is cut has a fascinating piece to it. How many of you have heard, or ever maybe you've said, let's cut a deal, or cutting a deal? You've heard that term before, right? Well, that cutting a deal comes from this, this kind of uh, ritual, if you will, or this practice of cutting a covenant. And literally, it was cutting a covenant because what would happen is that animals would be cut in half and sort of laid so that there was kind of a pathway um, you know, one half of the animal on this side and the other half on that side. They didn't cut the birds. I don't know exactly why, and I don't know what they did with them after. I don't know if they had a feast or sacrificed them or what happened there. But the sim- symbolism of that was that when you walked through, as both parties, as you walked through those animals, what you were saying was, if I break this covenant, if I break this contract or this promise, may the same thing be done to me as was done to these animals. It's a pretty serious handshake, if you will, right? But what happens in this covenant? Did you notice? What happens? Anybody? Yeah, Abraham sleeps through it, right? Maybe it was daylight savings. I don't know. (laughs) But it's actually that, yeah, he was actually kind of put into a deep sleep. So how does the covenant get cut? God, yeah, right. Absolutely. Simple Sunday school answer there, right? But it's the correct answer, for sure. God alone walks through. God takes on that promise or that that sort of threat, if you will, of being cut apart if the promise falls through or falls short. Now, maybe that's because Abram and Sarai will take 
about five minutes, about a half of a chapter, before they will kind of lose trust in God and kind of try to figure things out their own way. Or maybe it's because God's foundation, the very personality of God, who God is, is compassion and care for God's people. Or maybe it's a little bit of both. I would argue that, actually, as we see both running through our Luke text for today. A mixture of the law and the gospel, swirling kind of in Jesus' words as he both speaks a word of judgment over Jerusalem, but also laments over Jerusalem and makes kind of a new promise, in a sense, to God's people as well. Here Jesus speaks today against our own foolish mistakes, and Jesus speaks to the evil em- evils of empire. Terrible mistakes that we make, like daylight savings time. And corrupt and evil powers, like the Denver Broncos. Too soon? <laughs> well, the imagery of God as a mother hen comes up for us in the Old Testament as well. In Psalm 91, that imagery is as one who protects from those who, uh, gives protection for those who are oppressed from the outside. God kind of covering God's people as a mother hen covers them with her wings to protect them from evil powers. Here it seems to definitely do that but also to protect us from the things that come from the inside. Protecting us from foxes like Herod, but also to protect us from our own selves, our own sin, the consequences of our own faults individually and collectively as a people. Now in my first reading of this text, it seemed as if it would be difficult to see good news. I'm going to admit something to you. There are times in our services when we have a really tough gospel to swallow. And the reader up here says, you know, the gospel of the Lord, and I kind of pause when we say praise to you, O Christ, because I'm not quite sure I want to say that. Do I really, am I really okay responding in that way to a harsh word like this? Sometimes I kind of look around at you all and say, are you sure about that? Were you listening? (laughs) But in this text, um, Jesus, in all of this lament, in all of this judgment over his own capital and over the broken state of his own people is saying a difficult word for sure. In fact, many who offered insight to this text, some of the commentators on this text, in fact, most of them, were quick to speak right away to say, well, we want to make sure nobody uses this text to even to hint at a condemnation of the Jewish people as a whole. Any kind of anti-Semitism one might draw from this text, and I'm sure people have in the past. To use care not to see Jesus as condemning the people of Jerusalem or the Hebrew people as a whole. Well, of course. Of course not. That would be such a, a horrifying twist of this text that it would miss the point entirely. And the point is this, that Jesus could stand outside of any city and utter these same words. Seattle, Seattle. Austin, Austin, D.C., D.C., Moscow, Moscow. Jesus could stand outside of my own house and utter words of judgment and natural consequence. P.J. and family, how long I have, how I have longed to gather you under my wings, and you will just choose again and again to go your own way. 
Jesus' words of judgment are pretty harsh here. And he names the consequences of sin pretty clearly. You won't see me like this. In this state, you can't possibly see God in the flesh here. And so your house is left to you. I guess you're going to handle this one on your own. Because turning away from me is to wish to fix the unfixable by yourself. Pastor Bill spoke last week about attacks on the church, which is also an institution with plenty of greed and and plenty of power and plenty of corruption, by the way, of course. Jesus could stand outside our national church body, our national church headquarters, and say, ELCA, ELCA, how long, how I have longed to gather you. But one thing I hear again and again is this from, from those outside of the church or this kind of attack on the church is this sort of mantra that to believe in any God is akin to, believing, is akin to believing in fairies and unicorns and leprechauns. Now, I know if there are some five-year-olds out there, they're like, and your point is, right? <laughs> but I want to ask you this. Which is the greater fairy tale? To put our trust in an infinite God who enters our time and our space to overcome sin and death itself? Or to put our trust in ourselves, eventually sort of evolving into a perfect society that can fix everything that has broken this world for time immemorial. I got to tell you, if I'm Mother Goose, that's an easy pick for me as to which is the greater fairy tale. Especially, especially given the state of our world in this day. So many things that we lament, so many uh, uh, sins of, of power and corruption that are going on all around us. So many things that seem that we just can't fix or we just don't know what to do that seem out of our control. And yet for those who take this approach of, yeah, we can fix it, we can figure it out, it seems Jesus' motherly wings are outstretched equally for them as they are for me. Notice the position Jesus takes here. And that might bring us back to this covenant promise made with Abram and Sarai as well. When warned about Herod, that fox coming after him, and in the face of a powerful city that kills prophets, Jesus doesn't say, go tell that fox, I am a bear. Jesus doesn't say, oh, how I have longed to tear this city apart. No. He takes on the imagery of a mother, specifically that of a mother hen. Now, I like this imagery because it's way better than sheep, for me at least. And the stupidity of sheep I've, uh, uh, I've talked about before, in my experience anyway. And I am a chicken farmer, somewhat. But I love this story that, uh, and I don't know if it's a rural legend or if it's, it really happened somewhere or whatever, but it, but it, it kind of hits home with me at least, and I'll share it with you. There's a story Uh, that I was telling in chapel to some of our our kids to kind of try to explain what Jesus, the imagery Jesus is giving and the vulnerability of of God in Christ here. And it was uh, a story of a farmer whose whose barn burned down and everything was destroyed and just burned to the ground and the hay and the straw and machinery is all gone and the farmer is kind of walking through and lamenting this fire. Well, he comes to the corner of the barn and, and there he sees one of his hens and just burned to a crisp. 
and her, ar- and her wings are, are spread out, and she was obviously, you know, down on the ground trying to escape the smoke and the fire, but she's gone. And he, you know, just kind of in frustration, he kicks over the, the burned carcass of this bird, and all of a sudden, cheep, 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 all these little chicks come, come out, right? I love that imagery because I think that is exactly what God and Christ is saying to us here in this moment. Yes, I'm going to name the, the sin of this world. I'm going to name its brokenness. I'm not going to shy away from that. I'm going to name it and the consequences that come with it. But then I'm going to spread my arms over those who deserve to be left to their own, you know, their own desires and their, oh, the consequences of those. I'm going to spread my wings over them and protect them. I'm the one who will burn. I'm the one who will be devoured by the foxes of this world. I'm the one who will take on the position of vulnerability so that you might escape the flames of this fire. We're invited to come in, to come under the wing of Christ this day. To give up those powers and those desires. Yes, certainly to work in the ways that we can to solve the problems of this world, but to recognize that ultimately we will not be successful apart from Christ that we fall in faith under those wings and continue this Lenten journey toward the cross and the empty tomb. Let us do so as followers of Christ, as those gathered under his wing. Amen.